Welcome to Gathering Gold. This is Cheryl Paul. And I'm Victoria Russell. So we took a little rest week last week. We didn't record and publish an episode when we normally do because Cheryl, you and I both felt like we could use some rest, mm-hmm. like we could use a little bit of a break. We've both been feeling just a sense of some tiredness and some depletion. Mm-hmm. And you went on an Instagram break, which mm. we'll talk about later in the episode. Mm-hmm. And You've been having conversations with many of your counseling and coaching clients who mm-hmm. are feeling exhausted right now. Yes, and not just my clients, but friends and family and almost everybody I encounter at some point in the conversation, the phrase, I'm exhausted, mm. comes into our conversation. So it's pretty clear that This is widespread, but I wanted to start with just a little story that I think elucidates some of the collective burnout that we're feeling, which is this state of uncertainty around COVID. So I was driving my kids to school this morning and Asher sitting in the back seat says to Everest, when's COVID going to end? And Everest often has pretty definitive answers about things. (laughs) And he said, I don't know. Mm. And we all just kind of (sighs) sat in the heaviness of, I don't know. Um, And then Asher said, like, are we going to all be wearing masks in 20 years? And Ever said, no, I think we're going to get through this in one to two years. And he went on to explain why and and the science behind it and how he understands it because he keeps a pretty close finger on the pulse of all of this. And for me, just hearing two years was an exhale. Like, okay, that's mm-hmm. a really long time. But even if that's not true, it felt better to my brain to have some kind of something to latch onto rather than this endless, amorphous, I don't know. Because I don't know is the hardest thing for the human brain, especially the highly sensitive human Mm. brain, right? We really struggle with uncertainty. So it was a, it was, it was sort of a hard, painful conversation, but we, we landed in, okay, one to two years. And, and I was sort of timelining that out and I said something like, isn't it wild that your entire middle school years, Asher, and your entire high school years, Everest, because they're in seventh and 11th grade right now, will have likely been spent in COVID time, Mm. wearing masks to school every day. Like that's just wild that that's going to be likely going to be your story. So when I think about this collective burnout. I think about, of course, COVID, how much we've been managing for so long um, and and what it is to hang out in this abyss of uncertainty. We don't know how long this will last. We don't know what's coming down the gauntlet next, right? It's just so exhausting. 
to hang out in what seems like an endless unknown. Um, and then the Brené Brown podcast where, where they were talking about um, with Amy Cuddy, she was interviewing Amy Cuddy on what they were calling pandemic flux. So this up and down of, oh, it seems like things are opening up and we're getting together with people. Like that's how it seemed in the summer. We can start to make travel plans. We can start to plan at all. And then boom, oh, here comes Delta variant. And we're back in this same place that we were in before. So that bit about uncertainty, bit, I mean, it's a huge abyss mm -hmm. of uncertainty. <laughs> um, and then everything else that we've been managing, like managing anxiety around getting the virus, um, managing the exhaustion of all of the decision-making processes that we, that we make around safety, right? Is it safe to do this? Is it safe to travel? Is it safe to get together? And how many people is it safe to get together with? And what circumstances? And with masks or without masks? And we don't really know, right? So weighing that constantly. And then this huge, painful collective division around masks and vaccines that for most people I know has filtered down into their personal life mm. in some way or another, right? With friends or with family. And it's so painful, right? It's just so, and it's so heavy. And so when things are painful and heavy, it leads to exhaustion. It leads to fatigue. It leads to burnout. It's, it's, it's actually happening in our nervous systems, what we are carrying holding, weighing all the time. This poem comes to mind around how hard it is not to have an end date to COVID. Um, it came to me today and it was one of my favorite poems in my 20s. It's an Emily Dickinson poem. Mm -hmm. This is on how hard uncertainty is. If you were coming in the fall, I'd brush the summer by with half a smile and half a spurn as housewives do a fly. If I could see you in a year, I'd wind the months in balls and put them each in separate drawers for fear the numbers fuse. If only centuries delayed, I'd count them on my hand subtracting till my fingers dropped into Van Diemen's land. If certain, when this life was out, that yours and mine should be, I'd toss it yonder like a rind and take eternity. But now, uncertain of the length of this that is between, it goads me like the goblin bee that will not state its sting. But then I was thinking, it's it's not just COVID. Yes, that's that's a huge contributing factor for the past year and a half or wherever. Who knows what month we're at? Like how long is this? <laughs> like what year? What year did this start? Like what what's happening? Um, so then there's this 
this pressure of the system that we're in that we talked about in the last episode about about living an ordinary life and the goodness of an ordinary life but but the constant pressure that we feel to create and produce and generate and achieve and live your best life and live an extraordinary life and so what that does is create the constant treadmill of I have to do, do, do. I have to keep going. I have to keep climbing. I have to keep producing. So there's that piece, which I think is at an all-time high. I don't think my grandparents' generation mm. had that kind of pressure to you know, be an entrepreneur and a YouTube star. Right. If you have a phone, why aren't you making millions of dollars yes. off of a yes. video? <laughs> Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you have a phone. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There's n- no excuse. No. So that's a massive pressure that we live under. And then there's this third interrelated piece of just what it is to have a phone and technology and the constancy of distractions, interruptions, and multitasking. And the toll that that takes, the the cumulative toll that it takes on our brains, on our souls, to be doing five things at once. And again, we are not, my grandparents were not doing five things at once, right? When my grandmother was cooking, she was cooking. When they were taking a walk, they were taking a walk. They weren't taking a walk and listening to a podcast and checking their email <laughs> and texting somebody. They were just taking a walk with each other often and having an actual conversation or in silence. That's lovely too. So we were laughing because before we started recording, you said, I'm just going to go get some water. And and then, you know, like I am on autopilot, I pick up my phone, I check my texts, I check my, I read a couple emails, and then it's like my other brain gets online and I say, oh my gosh, we're about to record our podcast. Let me just be present. Put down the friggin' phone. <laughs> God. And look out the window and notice the trees and maybe glance over my notes, but mostly just be here and how automatic and how hard it is. So those three layers, COVID, pressure to create, and then disruptions, interruptions, multitasking, how how are we not all like flat on the floor? I mean, we are. Yep right? We, we actually are. It's too much. Yes. And I was saying to you, Cheryl, that in preparing for this episode, I was thinking about all of the other things that <laughs> contribute to feeling exhausted and overwhelmed mm. as well, which are too numerous and complex to get into in one podcast episode. And I certainly wouldn't be the person to get into all of them either because they're so complex. Mm -hmm. But just so many broken systems or so many systems that actually have been designed to 
deplete people, really, but just work culture, yes. healthcare, the economy, the environment, really explicit racism mm. from the perspective of, you know, the millennial generation. Mm -hmm. I'm of a generation where young people are not able to afford moving out of their parents' houses or buying their own houses or, you know, are, are having a hard time getting a job with health benefits and just all sorts of things that are really difficult and impact the most basic fundamental parts of your life and your well-being. There's just a lot. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot. So much. And so we can look at all of that and understand and normalize and bring compassion to ourselves for why the humans are tired. The yeah. humans, the humans are tired. And yet sometimes we might have resistance to rest, even though we, we know we need it and we want it. At yes. the same time, we might be afraid of it. We might have fears around it. We might find like, I know that I often am vacillating between being so busy and maybe really productive, but also, by the way, never feeling like I'm doing a good enough job mm -hmm. <laughs> and then feeling like I'm just like vegging out and I'm just mm -hmm. like checked mm -hmm. out, numbing, you know, Yes. and really struggling to actually just be still or relax or put the work down mm. and that's something that you know I don't I don't have control over everything and there are some things that are so much bigger than me but I do have some small choices in my daily life and I do have a relationship to all these things that you know I could unpack <laughs> around what are what are my fears or what is my resistance around rest and restoration yes. and unplugging yes it's so important um and i want to unpack that in a minute but what i want to say first is to be so kind to ourselves around this conversation because and to, to keep in mind the bigger piece that we are all up against with technology with the phones um and one of the podcasts I was listening to lately is called Your Undivided Attention. And it's with two of the guys that were in that documentary, um, The Social Dilemma. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they're they're part of a um, a group or an organization called... Um, oh, yes, the nonprofit, the Center for Humane yes. Technology. Yes. I think. Which I love just that name, the Center for Humane Technology. And they talk about how their hope is that the programmers, when they're designing next stages, operating system updates, um, for our phones that they are taking into consideration, how can we introduce um, ways of interacting with the phone that are in service of the user's well-being? I think it's such an interesting thing to keep in mind that this is so big and so massive. And yes, we absolutely have choice that we must exercise for our own well-being. And it would be so nice, and I'm very hopeful that it will be so nice one day, 
when we don't have to work so hard all by ourselves. Yes. Right? That it's somehow built into the technology to um, to take breaks. You know, that rest and restoration and downtime are built in. That it's not just up to each individual to try to fight against the massive dopamine hit that you get every time you get a like or a text or an email or whatever it is, right? It almost feels like too much to ask for any individual. And it's like you and I both said, I, I did not want a phone. <laughs> I was like one of the last to even get an iPhone. And my husband got me one for Christmas one year and I was upset. I was like, no, <laughs> that's it. That's the end of being free. No, of my time being, and of course it's not, we, we do have choice, but it's a very big ask. For me, it was the iPod that came first mm -hmm. before the smartphone. And I was 16 when my parents gave me an iPod and I was really grateful, but I had never asked for one because I liked being in the car and eavesdropping on my parents' conversation or mm. being on the bus and listening to the kids around me, just yes. looking out the window, looking at listening to whatever music came on the radio, being like mm. just delighted or surprised or yes. maybe bored, whatever, whatever the case was. Being present. Yes. Being present in the moment you were in, whatever yes. that brought. And I think phones, as they are today, they steal our presence. And that's the biggest theft of soul I think we are experiencing collectively, is that loss of presence. Yes, the ability to be bored, but also to be delighted, to look up and notice that tree that you just passed out the window on the drive. Right? To hear that little snippet of conversation between your parents, that's all happening in the here and now. And whenever we go into the phone, we are somewhere else with some other people, some people that we don't even know. And often not even, often what we're taking in there is so far from what's real, you know? Yes. You have no idea what's happening right before the picture, right after the picture, or just outside of the frame. Yes. And again, I think this is generational. I think for people in their 20s and 30s, it is maybe an impossible ask. I mean, probably not impossible, but a very big ask to say, put your phone away for a certain number of hours each day or each week or a certain day of the week because I didn't grow up with it. It's not so hardwired into me that I will have an easier time creating those limits and boundaries around my phone than you will, right? But I still think it's important to say it, right? As, as, as we're entering into a different part of this this time together in this podcast in terms of how do you safeguard your mental space and what actions can you take, right? And until the technology catches up and is in service and creates some of those safeguards for us, um, we're going to have to do some of that by ourselves if we want to create 
if we want to recapture some of that lost energy, right? If we want to reacquaint ourselves with presence, with boredom, with goodness, with awe, with what's happening right before us. And so, yes, there's going to be resistance to not only rest, true rest, restorative rest, but also to, I think, one of the criteria for rest, which is putting away your phone. Because I'm not sure that restorative rest is fully possible if your phone is within arm's reach. But I know a lot of people use their phones for great things like app, like meditation apps, the Calm app, Insight Timer, and those fantastic apps that help millions of people. For me, true, deep soul, body, heart rest happens in a different way when my phone is far away from me. Resistance to rest, I don't think we can have that conversation without having the conversation about how hard it is to put the phone somewhere else, but how critical it is to put the phone somewhere else and to even turn it off completely. You know, like for years I've had the practice on Shabbat, Friday night to Saturday night, all screens go off. And there have been many times when I have not kept to that practice and and my soul like wilts when I don't do it. I feel, I feel sad. I feel like I'm depriving my soul of one of the most important things I can give it, of screens off, completely shut down, unplugged from the wall. I'm doing something good for the earth also to unplug, right? Not using that electricity for 24 hours. And I feel the resistance to doing that every Friday night. What if I miss an important email? What if this or that? What if my computer doesn't turn back on? What if I lose all my tabs? What if, what if, what if, what if? So I feel all that resistance. And then hopefully when I override the resistance and I push through it and everything goes off immediately, I feel more breath, more spaciousness, I feel some exhale, like, oh, and then when I wake up Saturday morning and I remember that everything is off, it's like Christmas morning. And yes, I still have the voice of, but what if somebody is trying to reach me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a relief. There's like the top layer, what if, what if chatter, and then underneath that, there's this profound relief of giving myself a break. And, and so I felt it going into my Instagram. I've been wanting to take an Instagram break for so long. Right? I never wanted to be on the platform to begin with. I only got on because I had 
the wisdom of anxiety coming out and my publisher urged me to pick one social media platform. And so I picked Instagram because I was never really on social media before. And then I got in the Instagram train and it was so fun and it's creative and interacting and I'm meeting amazing people and I'm learning all this great stuff and there's so much good stuff happening there. But I started to feel like this is taking a toll. This is coming at a cost. I cannot continue this kind of productivity, this kind of sharing. And so after an amazingly inspiring conversation with my friend Sylvie, who I met on Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) um, I just said, that's it. I need a break. And And I let my audience know I'm taking a break. If that sounds nourishing to you, please join me. And I cannot tell you, Victoria, like the level of joy. It was like trumpets. It was like a musical. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt like this recapturing of energy that I had just been giving away, giving away, giving away, giving away, giving away. And I, I love to give. And I will figure out, I hope, how to do this in a way that, you know, is sustainable. Um, I don't know, I don't know exactly how that will be, what that will look like, but I just knew I needed a break and all my what ifs, what if I lose followers? What if I get kicked out of the algorithm? What if somebody writes some horrible, nasty comment and I'm not there to moderate and okay. So I had to talk myself through, can I tolerate losing followers? Absolutely. Can I tolerate getting kicked out of the algorithm of Instagram and having to start all over again? Sure. Okay. That's okay. Someone writes a nasty comment. Okay. So they write a nasty comment. You know, my world's not going to end. But as always with the anxious mind, it's important to talk ourselves through the worst case what ifs to get ourselves to the place where we're taking positive action on our own behalf. And trusting that when we do that, this is the great paradox about rest, is that ultimately it's going to increase our productivity. I couldn't keep going the way I was going. It was going to just peter out or I felt like I was going to get sick or something. I didn't know. Mm. But now that I've stepped back, I know that I can step back. I can step back one week out of the month if I want to. I can step back for an entire month if I want to. And that will allow me to keep offering and to to have it keep feeling like an offering instead of wrestling water from the rock of my soul. Mm. It'll feel like a generative, juicy, positive offering that's coming from a place of well-being and fullness inside of me. So the conversation about resistance to rest, we have to talk ourselves through, what am I really afraid of? What am I telling myself about rest? That a big one is I'm only worthy if I'm productive. Yes. I think that's the biggest one when it comes to rest. It's a shame story. So it comes back to worthiness. I am only worthy if I am achieving, producing, working, generating. So it can help to name that 
so that from some wise adult part of you, you can say, of course that's not true. Of course that is, that's a faulty equation. Worth is not dependent on generativity. That's that sort of old historical download that I think we're all living from, that we're trying to break out of those shackles. Because the truth is that when you let yourself have true rest, you will be more generative. And that the rest itself, even if that weren't true, even if you weren't more generative, right? That the rest itself is so important and so valuable and is in itself an act of rebellion against the capitalist and industrialist and patriarchal systems that say you are here to churn out a product or whatever it is. So this is why I think the breaks are so important and then what we do on those breaks, right? And this is why I think learning to pay attention to our own rhythms, not just around phones, but in life is so, so critical and so much also in service of the bigger systemic global transitions that we're in, which in a nutshell is about patriarchy falling and trying to listen to the feminine. And there's a resurgence and there's there's a, a demand from the natural world that we listen, from our planet that we listen, from our own bodies, all the same place, that we listen and align as best we can knowing what we're up against. No one's going to do this perfectly. We are all trying to figure this out. No one's ever going to do life perfectly. So whether it's now or 50 years ago or whenever, whatever the challenge, there's always going to be those external challenges that make it difficult to listen and align with our bodies. But I think it's at least important to, to name with gentleness with kindness, with that caveat. This isn't about doing it perfectly and then berating ourselves, you know, when we fall into the, the black hole of the screen. Right? That, that doesn't help anybody. But it's just about simply asking, you know, where can I, where can I say no? Where can I, what's a really simple way that I can say no, that I can set a boundary, Um, Like for me right now, and it's become so clear just in this one week of being off of Instagram, but it's been clear for a while. It's, It's a phrase that I've been using internally that I've been writing about in my journal for a while is that my intention right now is to pay attention to how I override my rhythm. So said another way, it's how can I align with my true rhythm And when do I still need to override? Because it's not possible to be, unless you don't live with anybody and you don't have a job, right? We can't only listen to our own rhythm. Like to some degree, I've been overriding my my rhythm since the day Everest was born 17 years ago. It's the nature of being a mother, right? I must orient towards somebody else's needs. That's a great deal of what motherhood is, especially in those early years around sleep, right? Around 
around, um, well, largely around sleep, right? It's when my rhythm just got totally overridden in service of his. But now I have more time and space. My kids are older to reorient towards my own rhythm. And and I, I do that by listening to my body. If I listen closely enough, my body will alert me to my yeses and my noes. And I realize saying that, that that's not an easy task for anybody. It's one of the exercises in my Trust Yourself course is listening to your yeses and noes. And it always sparks a lot of anxiety, especially around people with relationship anxiety. But but my body's saying no. Right? No, it's you actually have to go deeper. You have to go deeper. So it's it's subtle, it's nuanced. But when you really start to drop in and listen, and I don't think, again, that we can deeply listen when screens are in our vision, right? So for me, what I've been noticing is that when I realign to my rhythm, right, it means saying no to some things. And this metaphor keeps coming of there's, there's an underground aqueduct system. There's like valves and water sources that are, that are coming through these aqueducts. And I can choose to close some of them. And when I close one, the water gets redirected because maybe that one was going out, out, out somewhere else. But now when I close it, it, it gets redirected and it comes back into that well of self that I was talking about earlier. Right? And I can feel the waters replenishing. I can feel energy coming back to me. So when I say no to posting on Instagram every single day, I can feel energy coming back in. And then I realize, oh my gosh, I have time to make that photo album with Everest of his bar mitzvah that happened three years ago. <laughs> the photos have just been sitting for three years. And when I say no to writing a new book or creating a new course, which I have said I will not create anything new project, big project wise, like a course or a book until I feel restored and replenished. That's hard to do. So when I say no, the energy is diverted from output and serving the outer world. And then again, the water comes back in, the energy comes back in. I feel more breath. I feel more spaciousness. I feel more presence in this life. And then this happened the other day. I find myself in the 20 minute window before I have my next client where I may have come back to my studio from being at the Creek and written a post for Instagram. And it's, it's a fun energy. It's why it's part of why it's hard to say no to. It's a very alive energy creative energy and it comes in and I'm going to write this post. And I'm going to turn it out real fast. And, but that wasn't even in my field because I'm not posting right now. And so instead I called my 85 year old dad and we hung out for a while on the phone. 
you know, and how much it means to him to get that call from his daughter, right, in the middle of a Tuesday when normally we would only talk on the weekends. Or I find myself after taking a walk with a friend in the neighborhood just hanging out, you know, and she's like, do you have to, do you have a time, do you have to get back? No, I actually don't. I, we can just hang out and stand here in front of one of our houses and talk because I'm, I don't feel this big rush, right? And I think the rush is also part of the multitasking, the spreading ourselves too thin, the saying yes to too many things that require attention. what's coming up for me is just the words scarcity and trust yes it's the fear that there won't be enough the fear that it won't come back mm-hmm. and then the trust that it will like when it comes to something yes. like creativity mm-hmm. I have to tell myself like it's okay to just not do anything right now like I'll come upon these creative blocks like where I haven't written anything I don't have any ideas for the podcast whatever it might be mm-hmm. and I feel like I need to keep pushing but actually I know from past experience that if I stop pushing and I mm. rest mm. it's like how farmers need to let land lie fallow that's for a right. while right that's right that's right and I, and I think something that you named about connection with other people, like calling your dad or going for mm-hmm. a walk with a friend mm-hmm. and the way that like, especially during COVID and especially if you're in Australia right now and you're under lockdown or, or, or whatever the case may be, wherever you are in the world, if you're facing like that loneliness, I, I think that it is so much easier to unplug if you're going for a walk with a friend than if you're just yes. sitting alone in your house. Yes. And I think that if you're able to do that, which I know not everyone is right now, mm-hmm. but if you're able to do that, sometimes that can be a step. Like maybe it just feels really hard when you're on your own, um, but it's a little bit easier if you ask someone to come with you. Mm. Yes. Walking each other through. Yeah. Right. Right. We don't have to do all of this alone. And what that does for our spirit and our soul, our hearts, when we do reach out, when we do this together, and when we realize we even have that need, because I think some of the danger of the phone is that we lose touch with the need for actual connection. Yes. And it feels, I think, I think one of the things that a lot of people feel especially probably younger generations is like well how am i going to stay informed so that i can you know everyone's always saying the youth have to like save the world so i Mm. have to be connected and informed and there's a lot of great examples of people who just by participating in their very neighborhood or community 
mm-hmm. are far more influential and impactful than someone who's trying to keep tabs on every single thing that's happening everywhere in the world all the time. Yes, yes, yes. We cannot save the whole world, right? It's too much for our psyches to even keep tabs on the whole world. And that's why, again, I think it's so critical that we safeguard our mental space and take those breaks. And so, yes, stay informed, but then take that 24-hour period to give yourself a break or take the window between 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. or or whatever it is, right? even a one-hour window in a day. Um to, to step back, to let that inner land lie fallow. And in fact, I love that you brought that up, Victoria, of, of letting the land lie fallow because it's been very up for me. And when I was talking to my friend, Lisa Rappaport, who you know, who's a rabbi, um, about taking this break and pulling back and pulling back from creativity and how hard it's been for me to do that, um, because again, it's it's a very alive experience to be um, enraptured by a creative project, especially for me, a big one like a book or a course. And it's it's like a love affair, right? It's a very high energy. Why would I say no to that? But I, there's something deeper in me that's saying it's time to rest. And she reminds me that in Judaism, and I'm sure this is in every religion that every seven years is the Shemitah year. It's the land in biblical Judaism where you're supposed to let the land lie fallow, right? That you go for six years and the seventh year you let the line fallow, the land lie fallow. And then of course there's Shabbat where you work for six days. And then on the seventh day is Shabbat. And, and you don't, you don't do anything that changes the land that exerts human you know will onto the land nothing like the commandment is actually don't do anything creative let everything be perfect for this one day just as it is and it helps me because it's like oh you know i'm such a good student like oh i have to do this <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's my it's my human duty to take a full day every week and a full year. And of course, I'm not going to stop working. I can't stop working and I don't want to stop working completely. But to not do these big creative endeavors that I'm being commanded to lie fallow. And I think that both and is just so important. Yes. What's coming to my mind is a great storyline in the show Ted Lasso. (laughs) Have you, have you seen Ted Lasso? I, I haven't seen it, but I keep seeing the name and Dave watched a couple of episodes and you said it was great. Yes. I think you would really, really like it. It's okay. Brene Brown's favorite TV show. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's a show about an English football team, or we would call it a soccer team. Mm-hmm. And there's a player on the team who's kind of a jerk. He's super self-absorbed. He's like a star player, but not a good teammate. 
And he finally learns to be a good teammate, to share the ball, to to not be so obnoxious, to not heckle the other team. Mm. But finally, at one point, they're they're uh, not doing so well in a game, and one of the coaches is like, "You have to be a jerk again." <laughs> and the player's like, "What? I get to be a jerk?" And he's like, "No, not all the time, but sometimes. And mm. when it's when it's time, I'll give you a signal." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I just loved that because it's like the both and. It's like we are yes. human beings and sometimes it's our the very things that are really sticky and messy and maybe sometimes kind of ugly are also sometimes necessary, sometimes good. Like mm-hmm. it's not all one or the other. Sometimes we have to turn on or we have to engage with something that is not just pure, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like social mm-hmm. media serves a function sometimes we want to show up like you've said like you made a great friend there probably several several real Mm -hmm. friends right and probably many people know about this podcast because of social media and people are listening to this podcast because of technology and yes so it's like that both and we're not being jerks like the like the soccer player but I just really liked that moment of like it just to me captured like that's humanity Yes. It's all about like intention. And sometimes it's even like, okay, I'm not going to be so intentional today. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so tricky, right? There's so much good that comes with it. And so we we are in this time of trying to figure out how to use the good in a way that doesn't completely deplete us. Right, that we're not in constant interruption multitasking land all the time. That we, that very much a both and, that we um, learn how to use it responsibly, ethically, humanely. That's why I love this podcast and these guys from Social Dilemma and, and Your Undivided Attention because they are programmers themselves. They're not anti technology at all. Right? They're not saying, let's get rid of all technology. They're saying, we have to figure out, like we as programmers and we as hum- humans, like the rest of us, consumers and just human beings, how to do this better. So I just have a few really simple ideas for how to replenish and recapture some energy um, for the tired humans. And the first thing I want to say is to encourage people to prioritize sleep, Um, to say yes to sleep whenever possible. And especially if you're somebody who, who typically doesn't, I know that some people um, if they're, if you veer towards depression, that's a different conversation, but most people in this audience veer towards anxiety, um, and sleep gets pushed to the side a lot. So, um, taking naps, I think, um, taking naps is an incredible act of resistance. Like I think we referenced before the nap ministry page on Instagram and how, taking naps and not just naps, but true rest is 
an act of, of healthy resistance is an act of rebellion. Um, and then of course that bumps up against the deserving and worthiness conversation because if I'm only worthy, if I'm productive, right, then it makes it very hard to stop and lie down and do nothing and, and take true rest. But we have to actively rewire that messaging. We have to learn to inhabit our original baby and toddler nature, that the part of us that just knows how to go to sleep, right? How to sleep when we're tired. Um, and then I think it can be helpful to ask the question, what do I want to say no to and what can I say no to? Right? Because we can't always say no to all the things we would want to say no to, but there are some things that we absolutely can say no to. So, um, some more questions along those lines. Can I turn my phone off for part of each day or each week? So we, we, we delved into that. Can I take a moment to pause between meetings or marks that I'm hitting on my, on my daily schedule? Right? Can I pause, just sit after I eat for a minute or two? Before getting up, without checking my phone, to just sit and let the food be in my belly and digest a little bit? Can I pause before coming into the house after work if I'm working outside the house? Can I just sit in my car or sit out front? Right, let those transitional moments be a true pause. It makes a difference. Even just one minute of stopping and pausing, it takes a reminder, it takes a mental reminder to stop and to pause. But it's, it's always amazing to me what a difference it makes in my being when, like after finishing recording this podcast before going back into the house, I just sit for a couple of minutes, look outside, right? The habit will be to check my phone and check my email, right? That will be the habit and that's okay. So I can also take a pause after I do those things, right? Get that out of the way, delete, delete, respond, respond, and then take a breath and take a couple of moments. This is the time of year when the light is shifting and I love when I remembered to say the prayer in Judaism that honors the shifting light, the Ma'ariv prayer. It's so beautiful about how the light turns into darkness and the darkness turns into light. And it's this incredible poem, really. Um, and what that one minute does, it's like the gurgling up of the waters in the wells of my soul. Um, a few other Ideas for reclaiming energy, for replenishment, of course, being in nature, like we mentioned earlier, without your phone. Being with your pets, if you have pets. I love how Eckhart Tolle calls them guardians of being, that we need more being and our pets are guardians of being. They're so good at it, right? It's true being. So it's that restorative being when we are lying on the floor with a dog or a cat and 
aligning with their nature. Right? It's it's that different kind of restorative being that happens when when we watch a show and both are good, right? But we just don't have nearly enough of the restorative being. And then the last one is to experiment with single tasking. Experiment with doing one thing at a time. And then notice, what do you notice when you take a walk without talking on the phone or listening to something? What do you notice when you talk to a friend while sitting on your couch instead of talking while cleaning or cooking or puttering around? So when we single task, when we do one thing at a time, I think we naturally come into more presence, right? So this is so much about reclaiming presence. All of that is so helpful and I love having those concrete suggestions. And I, and I think that I often feel also like why you know, why do I seem to have such a lower threshold than other people? Why do I need so many breaks? Like what's wrong with me? And to just to have some acceptance and to to really experiment with not beating myself up and just saying it's okay. Yes, and and it reminds me also, I am not obligated. None of us are obligated to keep serving anybody else, even if it's for good. I mean, for me, I'm in, I'm in service to, I know this word rubs people the wrong way, but I am in service to God, right? That's who I serve, or my own soul, or great mother, or spirit. To me, all all words for the same thing. If something bigger, something bigger. And when I'm listening closely to my body, which is also a vessel and a communicator and a messenger and conduit through which I can hear something bigger, right? It's It's the bridge that I am in more true alignment. Let's like what you're saying about being highly sensitive and needing the rest and needing more breaks. Me too. You know, and so what I've noticed is that when I've pulled back in this past week, but also longer than that in other ways and places where I've said no to the big projects, that like I said, I'm just, I'm more present for my children. I'm more present for my husband. I'm more present for my friends. I'm more present for my clients who I love so much, for my course members, for all the goodness that's already here, that's not dependent on more, 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 create, 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 right? It's all right here and I'm so blessed, so blessed. And I love my life and my work so much and I want to be present for it. And when I let myself get pulled in too many directions. I miss this life right in front of me. Yeah, and you're naming how when you say no to some of those things, you get to say yes Mm -hmm. to other things really intentionally and like wholeheartedly. Yes. Is there anything that you would like to leave people with? Someone who is currently feeling that 
exhaustion, Mm. that depletion, that pressure to keep going when all they want to do is lie down. Yes. Or someone who is lying down a lot and feels really guilty about it. Mm. The image that came to mind when you said that was of sending out a big hug, just wanting to hug that person, to hug whoever's feeling that way right now. And in that great mother nurturing way to say, it's okay to rest. Please rest. Please rest. You are actually in service of something very important when you lay down the burden, when you curl up, when you wrap the blanket around you or sit down at the base of a tree or just curl up on the couch or in bed and give yourself those moments, those precious, essential, important moments, minutes, hour, whatever you can give yourself to rest. That is it, it is in service of the, the wholeness, the fabric of your soul to breathe into that space of rest and it is in service of the whole fabric of humanity to give yourself true, uninterrupted rest. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. I feel ready to go to sleep now. Let's do it. But before we go, if people want to find more of you and your work online, where should they go? So the main source is my website, conscious-transitions.com. And you can find me normally on Instagram at Wisdom of Anxiety. And you can find me over at my other podcast, Perennials, and on Instagram at perennials podcast and if you are enjoying gathering gold please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you could rate it or leave a review it's so encouraging to us and it does help other people to find the show or share it with a friend if you know someone that you think might enjoy it thank you for listening